We have with us Dr. Vidya Krishnan. She is the founder of Sanctum Natural Birth Birth Center in Hyderabad. She's a, mid, a certified professional midwife and a certified Lamas trainer in India. Welcome. Thank you, Divya. And so happy to be here. I think all conversations with you are always fun. <laughs> we have had like so many discussions about especially this particular topic, but then we've always had like really everything from life in general to birth in particular. So I know this is going to be fun. Uh, and thank you for having me. Yes, but let me tell you first off the bat that this entire month happening because of that one suggestion that you said, oh, Divya, I forgot to answer you back, but can't we have it in the evening, say at <laughs> nine? And here we are with gone at nine. So truly, you're the person to give and that you have midwifed coffee, uh, coffee 2020 for my child. That's awesome. Thank you. That's awesome. And I was That's thinking awesome. of all the coffee we had when I was in Hyderabad, the long hours of chatting and the lovely coffee and therefore coffee con. So now our viewers know why this is called coffee con, though we've got so many inquiries saying, why coffee? Who has coffee at nine o'clock? I say, well, Dr. Vijayakrishnan and I do. And that's good enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, our topic today is a really broad one and is the one that we can't talk in, you know, we can't really put in words, but we've had so yeah. many discussions around it. Mm -hmm. So, Let's start with saying that what does trust mean to you and how it has refined it over the years that you've been a midwife? Um, so again, I think trust is first, if you look at any human being, I feel like there has to be some trust in someone somewhere, you know, from the simple act. I, I can, I'm thinking of something as simple as sometimes my driver bringing me bills and saying, you know, ma'am, these are the bills that need to be paid and I have paid in advance and, you know, can you um, like reimburse me, you know? And here is one aspect where I would think and say, okay, let's see how much add up everything or I tell him, you know, I trust you. Just tell me what's the total, I'll give it to you, you know? And, and I think that trust develops over a period of time in life in general. I think the, in specific to health, I think it develops in terms of how good your own health has been, what has been your um, sort of over the course of the many years, how you have viewed your own body. And then it, then it develops, the next, next stage comes if you have to go to a care provider and whether they instill a sense of um, um, wellness in you or a sense of anxiety in you. And I think all these things have to come together to especially as related to pregnancy, labor, childbirth, that uh, one starts to then then feel, feel more in control, and that control adds to your trust in, in the, the process, right? So that's what I feel like it is because trust is such a basic. Uh, it's it's a very basic emotion, but it's also a very intense emotion. You can feel distrust, mistrust, and 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 trusting all at once for different reasons, right? That's true. That's very true. And, you know, you said something very beautiful. I, I want to highlight it. You said, A, that how it is your own uh, experience of, of, of your own health. And then what you, you know, when you go to a caregiver and if they are thinking about your body breaking down and problems, yes. how 
can you ever have trust in your own body exactly so i think that part is such a significant part that you said that you know what has been your own experience and what has been reflected back at you exactly and i think that's the challenge today because majority of our healthcare especially around maternity care is with doctors and our doctors trainings we all know are around pathology mm-hmm. and they are very good at that and that's a specific purpose so um, you know how they view the body the baby the process and how you as a midwife you it tell us a little bit about that um so okay here's the thing i'm just coming fresh out of a birth so i'll talk about that one and yes. um, so it's, uh, this is a mom who just had her vbac which is vaginal birth after a previous cesarean section wisp of a woman just about 5 feet tall um came to us at like 36 plus weeks of pregnancy weighing 45 kgs exactly yes and had not gained maybe like she had gained 2 kgs in her whole pregnancy so she started off maybe at 44 and just had gained to 46 in 36 weeks and then she wants this we back language barriers um technically teaching a shortened version of classes in hindi um making her believe in her body giving her adequate nutrition advice and she's like she looks i mean here is somebody who i feel is like i can carry with one hand you know <laughs> seriously and and she's saying i want this feedback and she's like i said okay and her otherwise her head history was clean previous sisters time the same thing everyone had told her your bmi you cannot have a baby naturally um and then she goes in for to have a cesarean section early like at 30 not even touching 37 weeks has a 2 kg baby oh okay right so here was our thing twofold one is i want her to gain weight because i want this baby to be a better birth weight than that baby yeah. right and then the second thing is developing her trust in her body and and in in the four weeks that so today she is at 39 and a half weeks she had a baby and um in this four weeks that we have been with her she gained 5 kgs yeah i and, about that yes 5 kgs right and we pushed her and she has her own body image society has told her that she's too thin like she how to grow a baby it started with that the first time and now she knows she can grow a baby but she's expecting a tiny baby she's expecting problems whatever she reads around and she feels that she, if she carries a big baby she's going to have problems in delivering and then she has to have a she has to have a vbac so this is a whole new game for her right and so two days in a row she had pre labor and every day in the morning she would call me sort of weepy not crying but weepy right and saying this is not going anywhere par mere se bardasht bilkul nahi ho raha hai but mai kaise karungi you know so it was not ki wo bardasht nahi ho raha tha but mentally she has told herself so many times ki nahi hoga mere se mai kaise karungi then we said you know we have talked about all this blah 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 anyway to this morning she again calls vp again and she says you know now the the contractions are very quick and you know i fear her i still think she has some time but i say okay now i think it's okay for you to come to the center we'll see you i think we can support you here on birth so here she's dilated 7 cm already okay now here's the thing from there that was at 7 in the morning she just had her baby it was not the body it was here 
Yes. So she had to let go of that distrust of her own body. She had to let go and say, "I can actually do this," you know. Yeah. And then she dilates, and she doesn't want to push. Ah. So you have another conundrum now. You have been dilated, and it's okay. And I know she feels the pressure because she sits on the in the bathroom and the toilet seat, and she's feeling pressure, but she's holding back. She's like, "I can't do this. I can't do this, ma'am. I cannot do this." I'm like, "Okay, there's only okay. one way out. Your baby is going to come either this way, or if you really, absolutely will not do it, then the only thing against everything that I know can happen, we have to take you for a cesarean because I can't do the pushing for you, right?" and um and and then the husband she the dynamic is he is there these are very very traditional orthodox people so though he wants to be in there he doesn't want to be in there yeah she doesn't want him to be in there it's again it's her, if she says she wants to be him he will come in but she doesn't want him to be in there yeah. so it's us her conversations us her conversations eventually just before pushing the baby out that baby would have come out 2 hours ago mm-hmm. but it took her that long to let go of the fear to say yes it's okay and do you know what's the weight of her baby 3.03 kgs wow <laughs> compared to her weight it's quite substantial oh, the baby the ba- and leg one too the baby is half her length you know <laughs> so, so i i think women's bodies know how to give birth you have you have talked about it many times we have talked about it but this is the trust and distrust factor she trusted the place at no point did she really want a cesarean right now if the care providers if she says that nahi madam mai kaise karungi kya karungi kya karungi bamizi mein is to say chalo let's go for a c section right but you know her as a person and every yeah. time you give her that pep talk and sit with her and and when i said to her you don't you know i don't want you i know you don't want me to pity you i know yeah. you want me to be strong with you and she says yes and then her face would become bitter better and she would have like you know and she didn't want to go into the tub she had all these things no tub no bathroom no nothing she she had a lot of back pain so finally i said well do you want the sterile water injection she says fine cup pain chala jayega na sir for thodi der ke liye to kam ho jayega said bas that that's all i need so again yeah. having options so and one of the beauty about midwifery is that you know like we we have all these tools which can create time yeah and of wrong with using an entonox there's nothing wrong with sir i'm about dragging some Somebody kicking and screaming in labor. It's not about some sort of punishment. That they're about supporting her the right way at the right time and saying, "This is where I can right. give you a little extra. This is where I pull back." You know. And I think that that yeah. now yeah. she's like super happy. She says, "I want to hug everybody." I said, "Well, wait for wait before you leave. We'll be up close and personal. Before you leave, we'll give you a hug." You know. But she's <laughs> yeah. amazingly, amazingly happy now, right? Yeah, yeah. It's now she of, can go. Uh, sorry, and now she is going to go and say, tell this. Like she said, "Abhi to main jaake bataungi sabko ki my body doesn't mm-hmm. fail me." Sabhi ne mujhe bola tha ki I will never be able to give birth. Yeah, yeah. There are um, okay, Vijaya. For a moment, I can't hear you there. So, um, is it just me or is it everybody feeling that? Tanvi. Uh, Can you hear me now? No. Yes, I can. Yes, I can. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, yeah, so, you know, I'm hearing this. And, you know, every time we tell a story like this, it's like, wow, that's what we have to achieve. But what we what we what is really getting in the way of getting this trust is these this achievement end product. The, 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 her, I think her joy is not because she gave birth vaginally. Right. It's also about renegotiating with her body that you and I, I as in the the mind, the self, and the body mm-hmm. are one. Right. That we can work together, and mm-hmm. I think. This is not only in terms of Vijaya achievement, because I've also seen women who face challenges of labor. Their birth has not gone the way they had planned. And yet that connection with their body, their own knowing, their intuition, their ability to make decisions for their child at the right time gives them that sense of trust in themselves as parents. You know, that's the nuance. And I remember we were having this conversation that, you know, at one end, our statistics, you know, the fact that so many women have natural birth at your center sets up like an expectation on the other side, natural birth which yet again is not trusting yourself. Exactly. No, I think you're hitting the nail right on the head. Because I think it's not about anybody giving anyone a natural birth, the center giving normal, giving, uh, giving the, it's the opportunity to what you said, negotiating that path for yourself, opportunity to un, unravel some of the myths and the mysteries of the body, opportunity to say, how can I grow as a person through this process? And I think the, if the expectation is only like, I'm going to stand on one leg and have a normal delivery, very often it goes extraordinarily on the opposite end, right? Because then you are really not focused on the process. You're focused on the end product, like you said. And that, who has control over the end product as far as birth is concerned no one except that mom that baby that hour or that minute right other than that we have no one has any control over it it goes and that's why the classes again i come back to that classes where there is good information given um you know independent educators sitting and talking about and having people have that back and forth in terms of what are they understanding what do I feel about this X, Y, Z? What are these points? How do I negotiate something if it comes to uh, discomfort in pregnancy? How does that correlate to a, the, a larger discomfort as it may be in labor? What kind of things make me calm now? How do I bond with my partner in order to get a certain, uh, you know, uh, a feeling of oneness, for lack of a better word? And then how do I use that same oneness in labor and birth to allow that to progress at a in a way that's more um, uh, more uh, symbiotic for that moment, right? I just feel like everything has to be symbiotic. It has to come together. Otherwise, it's the, it, you, you can have that big mismatch of expectations. You come in thinking and you hear all these birth stories, right? So that's the other thing too. Birth stories are great. And we started, you know, publishing birth stories. You started publishing a long time ago. We started publishing it. But again, what happens is people read these birth stories and think their birth is going to happen on unicorns and rainbows and, you know, perfect, (laughs) you know, purple hearts. And while is it good to aim for, we write those stories or we have mothers relate those stories because we want to give a good um, amount of confidence that, 
um, birth is a normal natural process and that it's something to strive for should you want it, right? But then you read all this and if you come in, in if you have not made the effort to really negotiate all these things during your pregnancy and birth, you come into it thinking, oh, I read a hundred stories about a hundred people, but it's not your story. Your story is still got to be written and until you have your baby, it's not written. So how you craft that and how you get that trust to say it's okay for me to trust my body and craft my own birth story is I think the essential part of this conversation. Yeah. 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 So we also see that a lot in Neha's return saying, how do you think it works when a woman puts her trust in you, the midwife or the doula over her trust in her own body? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, so that's a tricky one. Uh, I mean, I have my experience, you have yours. So let's hear it from you. Why don't you talk about yours, then I'll talk about mine. (laughs) Okay. So I feel, you know, um, how does the woman view you? We are talking in terms of her expectation versus her trust in you. Mm -hmm. Sometimes when she puts her trust in you, that openness of the word or that feeling of trust actually opens her up to the experience. The, the, The tipping point is that does she, is she, putting the onus of an achievement on you or because you're my doula or you're my midwife, I will have that birth. Or does she say, I trust you to guide me? There's a difference. And that quality of trust. And I'm going to tell you this little story. I had a mom who uh, at 38 weeks got a routine pelvic exam. She came to my class. She said, you know, today I found that the doctor was a little bit, uh, you know, she was a little bit taken aback after my internal. Something is wrong. I can feel it in my bones. And I said, well, did she say anything to you? She said, no, she didn't. So all said and done, everything was left to it. And then uh, I didn't follow it up and she didn't follow it up. And doctor didn't say anything. But she read it from the body language. You know, the doctor must have said, hmm, or whatever. And then she went into labor and she um, and and the baby was in the birth canal. And then the doctor walked in and she put her finger. She saw the baby where station she was and she laughed. So in that moment, we all looked at her and saying, what's happening? She said, wait, wait, let's get the baby, receive the baby and I'll tell you what's it. Mm -hmm. And this woman was turning throughout her labor to the right. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, oh, she should be on her left. She should. <laughs> and then I said, what do I know? Forget it. You know, if she likes it this way, let her do it. And then even while giving birth, she rotated to the right, opened her leg up and she pushed the baby out. And the baby came out. It was a fairly good weight baby. And she's a short woman. Hmm. And then the doctor said, two weeks ago, uh, no, three weeks ago, because it was coming after 40 weeks. Three weeks ago when I did an internal, I found her left ischial spine turning in. Hmm which means the pelvis, the narrowest part was this way. Mm-hmm. And she said, but I didn't feel like saying it, but I told the yoga instructor that I, I don't think she can have that because that pelvic, uh, you know, that smallest part is turned in. And what do we know? Mm-hmm. Her body kept turning to the right and opening it up and mm-hmm. then the baby came out. And then we had a nice laugh at it. And this is where this uh, the trust issue came up because The doctor told me that she really, you know, she did this because she really trusted you, Divya. Mm -hmm. And I looked at her and for a moment I had this profound feeling saying, no, it wasn't me. Her ability to trust us, that's her gift, not ours. Mm -hmm. To surrender to something so truly 
mm-hmm. and trust that okay you'll guide me i think that was her strength so for me trust is that power within you that allows you to be vulnerable open Absolutely. flexible receiving surrendering because mm-hmm. you say no matter how it turns out there is something that will catch me and that's trust for me yeah. and from that moment onwards that was the idea in every conversation in every mm-hmm. training to bring out that quality of what that strength of letting go or believing in somebody means because that for me was trust yeah truth and i'm sure there are more than bad examples for you as well because i'm just the jeweler and i'm there for support but they come to you with even more trust putting everything in your hands and i i know so many stories coming back from you vijaya so what does trust mean for you <laughs> um i think different things with different people first of all but i also feel like i think a lot of it it's got to relate to some of them come with you know like uh, people referring word of mouth whatever those are the people who will come and say you know i we have had five people in our family friend circle who have trusted you so i i'm trusting you blindly um but again that's the place where i have to pull them back and say okay they have said this i'm so happy to see you and oftentimes i also have this feeling like whenever they are coming from multiple people in the family or friend circle have it they, i i also feel that they have a similar sort of mindset a similar sort of you know so that sort of works out nicely in their favor but i then have to pull them back and then talk about again trusting back in your body what does it again having these conversations about i always feel that the big difference between an obstetric practice and not all practices i'm not i'm not going to generalize here because i'm sure there are many people who still practice the old fashioned way but still i think a majority of the practices i think the best the, the difference between an obstetric practice and a midwifery practice is one is consultation another is conversation yeah. and i feel that is very very important because that consultation ha- will happen in the middle of a conversation but it should not be the only thing because that's where that over the period of time you get to build that uh, sense of what this person is who are who are these people what do they want so we have had some of the best births happen for people who have walked in at 41 and a half weeks because they have done their research they have seen what they don't want and then they have come to us and said okay here is it i've done i've done what i need to do now you know i'm going to let go and i'm going to let you guide me through it which is what you had said earlier that that surrender that feeling that yeah. no i'm going to let me let you guide me through it and then we have had some of the most you know um um i won't say traumatic but most um, mm, i don't know what the word is challenging yes i think challenging is a very good word for people who are coming from day one right and you're just like you've said fit bol bol ke bol bol ke and just thinking okay you know you're still asking me at the end of this ramayan who is ram and sita right uh, so, so you know so i think that internalizing is so important as a part of building trust um i feel that one of the challenges that people have in the current atmosphere of uh, medicalized childbirth for lack of a better word is to be able to get enough information without over information because that's that's the part. you have google obviously you have all sorts of groups right and you you have without that trust in your care provider 
if i if somebody is under my care at 27 weeks and she or she goes and puts out in a big group saying my care provider is saying this what do you all think i think that's not a bad thing but i think somebody have to question if are you just asking for information and then internalizing and doing some more work and going back and talking to your care provider or are you in such a place with that vulnerability with that sort of like an inability to have a conversation that you are now seeking healthcare online right and i'm and we all are doing so, so much of this online talks we are giving you know the covid has brought out so many things that we never thought it would bring out but at the end of the day i think you don't crowdsource personal health yes right and i think that's where i find sometimes because people will say what they want to say but ultimately who is responsible i think this is a very important question because if you put up if you put up a post say in a in a big uh, forum and if you say you know i am 42 and a half weeks right now and my bp is 120 over 100 and uh, you know my doctor is saying xyz and nobody else knows the whole picture and then you have groups which will say 100% wait nobody should touch you you know and there are groups which will say oh no you should listen to your doctor and ultimately you land up more confused so that's the trust bringing back the trust what do i feel do i feel informed do i feel supported with my current care provider do i feel good in my own body do i feel good baby movements do i feel um, do i feel that if i tomorrow if things were to change would my care provider receive me with respect yeah would i feel safe going back to her and if all these questions are met then i think that crowdsourcing has some value otherwise it has no value but also if you're taking in all the opinions how is that opinion different than what your care provider has said because they're all opinions right unless exactly. you know you you had you you said that word until you've not integrated it and felt how that it feels for you where mm-hmm. is where is the point where you say okay i've got this information and yes this feels doable to me or this yes. feels right for me and sometimes i also feel when i read on these groups that you know when when they are typing all this i'm thinking mm-hmm. that whose agenda are they driving number one mm-hmm. right and i think people only want to hear what they want to hear that is why yeah. they're hearing so many opinions correct because if it is your care the only person you need to ask this question from is your care provider exactly okay you're saying this tell me the signs you're seeing or what are your reasons for this thing what are we not seeing here that you are seeing can you explain this a little bit further for me and and maybe you'll even hear from the care provider these are the signs i'm seeing and this is my personal limit yes and that exactly. is yet and yet a, a trust building is her personal limit i also find on these groups that women ask these questions and they're very very afraid of the answers correct right but if you've not integrated that fear that will translate in your birth 
in not the nicest of ways. Oh, 100%. I think um, a couple of days back, or you know, I got a call because we had, we had done an online consult, a second opinion, whatever, a while ago. We had we had done some basic, like she, she was also gestationally diabetic, you know, other things we had discussed. And I always say to them, ultimately, your care provider is the one responsible for you. I can lead you through one, two, three things. I can help you with your exercise things. I can help you with your diet. You know, whatever you feel like as a support system, I can help you. But at the end of the day, you have to ask these questions of your care provider and find that comfort. So then there's the, there comes a call saying, you know, tell me um, if my baby is breached. Um, they, what what should I do? Can my care provider is telling me that by 37 weeks plus, I should have a cesarean section. So here, see, again, the, the questions are based upon their understanding very rightly of what they want to hear for an answer. Right. So here I am saying, you know, yep, you know, there is no no real difference. Even if your care provider wants to do a cesarean section, that's okay as long as you have understood the risk, benefits, whatever, and whatever the care provider's ability to, you know, the skills in terms of the breach birth are no problem. But there is real no real risk in terms of waiting for labor to begin. Yeah, and know this for if the bag of you should talk to your care provider. Tell her if your bag of water breaks, you will come in. Tell her if you know this thing, whatever. If labor starts, you will come in. Or if you have crossed forty weeks, I think it's a perfect time for you to negotiate that with your care provider. Then finally, as I'm about to, to say, yeah, okay, you know, do you have all the information? Go speak with her. She says, well, I have uh, amniotic fluid levels of twenty five point eight. So I'm like, okay, this makes sense then. I don't think your care provider wants for the, the you know, the, the bag of waters to break and you to have a cord prolapse. So see, without everyone knowing what the circumstances yes. are, you cannot give opinions online, which I find like really hard because I think everyone's rooting for the right thing. No one's what saying, is the right you know, nobody thing? wants exactly but at the same time exactly that's that's a big question so we should talk about that. Sure. what is that right sure. thing right but but i think i mean generally if you go to a group which is so natural birthing everyone's rooting for the mom to have a natural birth let's assume that's the thing right but at the end of the day what is right for her you know is something that should be very personal based upon her body her baby and her care provider i think right. that's the conversation they should what do you think is the right thing yeah, what is the right thing? No, there is there any group, any individual, any medical practitioner, any family that don't want the right thing for their child? Let's start with there. Exactly. I don't see that at all. So we'd say that everybody's evaluating risk from their perspective. Now, if they just have a conversation about the perspective, they might get to the right thing much faster. Exactly. With Exactly, and, and I love your word between the concert and the con conversation because in the conversation, when you are heard, when the other person is interested in you, that's the bedrock of trust. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the bedrock of trust that, you know, this person is hearing me out at some level. What I'm saying is of value. Correct. Absolutely. By just that simple conversation that the midwife has, she has already instilled the seed of, I am listening to you. Mm -hmm. I am listening to your body. Mm -hmm. I am listening to your baby. You can too. Yes, 100%. I think so many examples. The woman walks in. Um, it's, this is her fifth baby, which there is there, there, there has been a silent abortion, right? 
Now we have sent her to my backup care provider. She has said, yes, we need to have this process. We can put on, put the tablets and we'll wait and, you know, whatever. They walk in and there is this look, obviously, any pregnancy, how many you have had is super precious. There's this thing of, okay, tell me what do I need to do, you know? And you sit down and I look at them and I can see their faces, right? And I tell them just, process will happen. I want to take this moment to honor that you both are going through a hard time. That's it. That ice is broken, right? They are, they are now they are in a space where they feel okay to let a few tears out. They are in a space to say, okay, what are the preferences? What are, what are the things that can happen between, you know, starting this uh, you know, procedure to ending the procedure? And they feel very validated, right? And I think that's the moment of like, I am a human being, I'm being looked at as a human being with emotions, with intellect, with ability to make good choices for myself. And the person in front of me is saying, we are going to be participative and we are going to make these decisions about your body and your baby as, a, as partners in this process. Yeah. And that's what is really missing. That's where this whole trust building exercise is missing because we are not enabling as a society again and you and i have talked about this multiple times as a society we are not enabling the the woman and the partner to grow as a parent um without really putting in so many whether again like you said everybody wants the right thing right <laughs> but but everyone what says is, do this don't do that but in the moment the woman conceives and the younger she is, the harder it is, I feel, I find in my practice, uh, that the moment she conceives, everyone else takes over what she should be feeling, what she should be doing, what she should not be doing. That is, I don't know what minute of 24 hours she has where she can sit down and say, wow, I'm pregnant. Where is that moment of pause? You, 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 you whip out the urine stick, you pee on the stick and you come out and say you're pregnant and from there, okay, let's rush to the doctor, let's do this, let's do that. Let's take this first consultation, first appointment. And they're like, take a breath. You've just rolled out of bed. It's okay to be calm for a little while, you know. But that's, that's the place where we have started the cascading effects of not believing in the body, not believing in yourself and going from test to test, scan to scan, consultation to consultation to validate that your body, which is growing a baby, which is as it's as good as having food or, you know, drinking water or whatever. We have now made it into some sort of a ritual and practice that needs to happen. Not internal ritual, external ritual, right? Most of it is external ritual. So this is exactly what we say. So you go to the doctor in your first Say second trimester, first trimester, you go, you get a confirmation. They send you off with prenatals and say, come after, you know, 12 weeks. Right. We'll talk to you then. Yeah. Right. So the first 12 weeks, which is the entire human being being made. Yes. The supply chain being set up, the placenta being set up is on autopilot. But nobody understands that. Then you go for one visit a month for 15 minutes. Right. But the other 29 days, 23 hours and 45 minutes, who do you trust? Yep. And we are not thinking in terms of that. Our narration is not around that. We start, uh, I don't know where it starts. It's like a, it's like a spiral. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't trust our children to know what they are feeling. 
Exactly. We shut them down. We put them in behaviors. We have had a conversation about that. We don't trust our teenagers to make good decisions. We've already labeled them and put an expectation because you're a teenager, it's not going to be a good time. Sure. We don't expect women to make good decisions. Uh, we've already given them a set narrative of whether which category they fall into, like the right or the wrong category. So now they have to live up to the norms of that category. We don't give men an opportunity to trust themselves because we've already told them how they should be as men. What you know? What is the criteria of success? You know, you're not man enough. You haven't done A, B, C, D, and E. And then in birth, in a childbirth class, he said, "Trust your body." No, it's not going to happen. Yes, it's even goes further than that. When this baby is coming out in his own steam. The doctor says, no, 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 we have to pull him out because we don't trust the way he can come out. And so I want you to talk about as a midwife, what does it feel to see the power of that baby as you hold the space? So, you know, we've had these conversations as, as doulas that um, in, a, in a good, if we've done a really good prenatal and in a good birth, we feel redundant. Um, and, uh, you know, Neha says it many times. And then I said, but I know, and I, I repeat this, that the work that we've done before is the value. And that right. value is of trust. Right. And so tell us a little bit about those feelings that you as a midwife have when you see this mom saying, I can't do it, I can't do it. And then, you know, suddenly she knows and there's no denying it that she can. Tell me a little bit about that. Uh, that space is, that, that that transformation happens sometime, some point where she starts to feel that power. So I think that's where from going from um, trying to negotiate that pain and discomfort and whatever, suddenly she has that raw power which she starts feeling over one, two, three, maybe pushes or maybe just feeling a lot of pressure. And then the, the whole atmosphere changes because now she knows it's her who is doing the work and nobody else. But then, like, there is all these discomforts and we talk about it. But until the woman actually experiences, whether it's the perineum stretching, whether it's feeling, you know, like, again, lack of, uh, what shall we say, the, uh, the feeling of a uh, little bit of shame when she feels like, oh, my God, I'm going to poop or I'm going to pee, <laughs> you know, all that sort of weaves in and out and we kind of just say that you have to do all this you have to let everything out before the baby comes out and then different people different things some women suddenly become very calm and then um, we'll ask them do you want a mirror in front of you and they will look at it and go wow and then with that mirror each contraction they will look and push getting Amazing. a baby out and so if the woman is not and in her always in this um back of the mind, everything that we have been told from childhood has just been that there is there is some sort of uh, shame to acknowledging this side of you, right? And and if that's been your entire grooming and that's been the, the place in terms of nobody talking to you about it, hey, you don't expect it. There are, we've had a woman who, um, who had her first baby somewhere else, had an episiotomy, and even though we were saying, no, 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 this baby will come, this is her second baby, right? And then suddenly she says, I am feeling electric shock. <laughs> okay, then, you know, but that was the only time she probably experienced, you know. Um, 
that, that sensual part of her. But I just feel like these are the things that when we don't acknowledge it, we don't al allow the woman to, you know, hold herself up, move into a different position, feel good about it, talk to her husband, husband holding her, that the entire hormonal physiology being lost. Then you're in this place where you're constantly looking outward to see, pull my baby out, pull my baby out. Okay, yeah. every woman at some point when it gets that intense will say, can't you do something to get my baby out? Now that's not bad. And then you say, no, I can't, you're doing it and you're great and they move on. But then, yeah. then there's this other part where there's that extraordinary fear like I had today and it took way longer than it needed to because yeah. she wasn't able to let go. And she, part of it is she didn't want to have her husband in there because of that same thing, you know. There's this whole side of the woman which we are not addressing at all. And last but not... The side of the woman. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, so true. Um and the last part, which I think is beautiful for me as a midwife to observe, is that there is that moment when it comes to that baby being there. Yeah. And that's the moment where it's between nature or God or whatever you may call that, a, a different kind of sacredness, the woman and her baby. There is literally nothing I can do. So you talk about, or Neha talks about being redundant. I am also redundant in that time. Because in that moment, all you can do is take a deep breath and say, yes, this is going to happen. You keep encouraging her, but there is nothing you can do. And that's the beauty of it. Because you don't need to do anything. The baby rotates, the baby comes. And there is also that other few seconds where it has to go from the fetal circulation to the newborn circulation. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing you can do, right? If it doesn't happen, we have 3,000 things we can do. But mostly it happens on its own and that's the beauty of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I also find that there is this point of paradox, no? When you say there is nothing you can do because there's nothing to be done. Exactly. But, but by holding the wider field, you're... you're you're letting what needs to happen arise. So it's not yes. that you're redundant. Correct. And, and, you know, in our culture, we say Shakti. Shakti is basically mm. energy. So you're holding actually an energetic field. You're Absolutely. melting the body and holding an energetic field where you really don't have to do. So, you, you know, this idea of do and just be. Yes. Because there's a human being coming into the world. Correct. By just being. And that needs trust, no? Um, Vijaya, for you to be able to trust, to sit, because you know it will happen. Yes. Not quite of when it needs. Remember, you said that those few, you can't do anything, but then you have to if something is needed. To know yes. when to be and when to do, that is yes. probably the definition of trust for me here. I think so too. I think so too. And I think that that has to, that is a very deep seated thing. It can be a lived in experience in your own body as, as you know, like as a midwife, I have, and there's a part of me who's a midwife, part of me is a woman. That's one of the reasons why I think whether it's a, any, any woman giving birth when she's supported by other women, there is a whole different energy, right? Because there is something as a lived in experience, not necessarily being a mother or, but as a woman, there is a, inherent energy that you have which is supportive which is gentle which is mindful which is made kind which is which is in sync with what you feel 
um, internally, I think. And I think that's the, that's what we bring in when in that room at that moment. But generally also knowing that and somehow deeply trusting that this is biology, the process that got the baby in is also going to be equally capable of bringing the baby out. Yeah. The, the observations, again, the medical schools, the way they are schooled and the way the midwifery school pulls it by apprenticeship, just observing, watching, learning from other people around you. I think that is worth its weight in gold. It's not about books. It's not about certificates. There is something beyond all of that where you can have a mentor who you have just watched and learned from, where you have watched, the, you know, like you, you can do a thousand different chores, but still be there in that space and watch what is the language that she's using? What is the, what is the touch that she is having? How do I emotionally, how does she emotionally connect? And somewhere I think that's, that is the hallmark of a good uh, midwife, a good doula, a good care provider, because there can be four births happening in four different rooms and every woman for sure will need something entirely different from your one might need super hand holding and you know pressing against you one might just say you just be there for me one might need focus as you're looking into her eyes and that's the only thing everyone needs a little something different and that's an intuitive part which you have to tap into yeah. trusting the process trusting that intuition trusting your gut feeling and say i'm going to go with it right yeah. and that's why there is no recipe for birth there shouldn't ever be. There should be guidelines, but there should never be like protocols. There should never be like just check boxes. There should be a wide array of, um, you know, things that both the mother and the caregiver can tap into to have this conversation surrounding it. You know, and I think like yesterday, one of the things that you said a little bit earlier, um, you know, like talking about those limitations. If the mom can talk about limitations, the care provider certainly can talk about limitations. It does not make them any less um, capable, right? Yeah. Um, so we just had another birth where the woman actually has a, some combination of essential hypertension, but definitely what we call as a white coat hypertension. Some of it has been ignored in the past, right? And I felt almost blindsided when they came from another place and sort of felt that, you know, like I found these pressures creeping up and going higher and higher. But there was always this conversation that when I'm at home, my pressure is this, this, when, when, pressure, when I'm at home, this is that. And eventually I talked with my backup provider. We had, a, you know, like a, we, we did all her tests and everything, scans, everything was okay. But her pressure was galloping. We had to put her on medication. And then when this conversation kept coming up, I had to eventually say, you know, if we were doing a home birth, I could take your home, home reading numbers. Fact mm. is, we are, in the, we are in the birth center right now. And I, the only way I can help you be safe is if you understand and come to the belief that these numbers are the true numbers right now. And you work with us together yeah. to ensure that what am I going to do to keep you and baby safe with these numbers? Yeah, because yeah. that she has she, in her mind, she has has this story and probably in some ways real because she has had it for a few years now. But I can't work with that myth, knowing what the numbers are right now. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And similarly, at one point, I said to her that I have never done this before. And there is nothing wrong in telling her that. Yeah. And, tell, and giving her the option saying that if you don't feel good over here, I can refer you to a multi-specialty hospital where you may have a better chance. Yeah. 
do you trust the process do you trust yourself you feel good looking at you you look very normal that's the other part of trust right yeah. when i look at her she doesn't look sick but mm. her numbers are showing me enormous like enormous right but at the same time i have to this is not some mythical number i know what are all the potential and possible complications that can arise and right. yet she looks okay Yeah. and yet she wants something and then we have this conversation that you know i've never done this before mm. you know let's see what we can do together and that's where it is then she puts her trust in you back and says okay if after all this you still feel that xyz intervention or even a c section is the only option i think we are okay to go with it but i would like a trial of xyz and now you're coming to a you coming to a point where you can meet somewhat quarter of a way or half of a way and eventually she had a baby and it was a very nice easy birth but we had to negotiate through all this drama and i probably got a good 500 gray hairs but <laughs> <laughs> but that's what trust is i think at the end of the day that's what it is so when we were talking about this particular thing uh, you know earlier i i thought that i i must say that possibility in every moment and limitation in the in every single moment is the mm-hmm. two sides of the same coin yes in every yes. moment if you are not paying attention you will miss the possibilities but yes. you will also miss the limitations yes. and if we can hold that and trust that that in this moment what is true let me yeah. ask my possibilities let me ask my limitations and they are both of them because there is no such thing as right and ideal and whatever that means that in is. fact if there was an ideal world we would be bored out of our minds because okay. we would be predictable <laughs> truth true very very true very true yeah no single focus because there was nothing at all but in every moment there is a possibility of doing going this way or the other way can i be with both of them and that is also trust that yes. it, no matter what is coming i am me mm-hmm. and i can choose either or i can move with either that is also trust so i think in trust in birth can be defined in so many ways but i do want to you know hearing your conversation what you said it struck a note with me um vijaya uh, you know when you talked about the paradigms that are shaping women so called preparation of birth is all about um you know uh, achieving a result mm-hmm. it is focused so much on what can go wrong so how is she going to trust herself when you have laid out what can go wrong mm-hmm. yeah. it's all about uh, you know uh, defending mm-hmm. or uh, achieving something or telling everybody what they should do it is not about how i feel or i am in this situation so how are they ever going to trust themselves ever i think i think the one thing that i would definitely think that especially pregnant women uh generally women but especially pregnant women considering the kind of uh, scenarios that they are in right now the milieu they are in right now i think they have to be um very cognizant to the fact that it is in their hands to draw boundaries around themselves I think this is very important we talk about it in the clinic how much information to give who is well within their capacity 
if you go out there and tell 10 different people everything and expect that opinion you talked about this earlier in the context of the groups but even in the context of their home in the context of their neighbors in the context of whatever i think if you do that then you are welcoming unnecessary responses and then your mind goes bing 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 and then you are unable to sit with yourself and decide how do i feel in this moment how do i feel in my body do i feel good do i not feel good do i trust my care provider do i feel that this baby is growing well inside me am i enjoying this moment am i feeling the kicks as too intense these are things because you are expecting only external answers right so the woman who comes in and says oh my god my baby is kicking too much now i feel terrible you know it's not bad to say that but then ask yourself what is terrible about it what can i do to make it little bit better uh, am i fearful about the too many kicks right those conversations you have to have with yourself but because now you are in this instant gratification mode right whatsapp and all these things and gosh like you know for every time i get a whatsapp and i read it and i'm going ah huh, what did we do when we didn't have whatsapp right because you yeah. sat with it and said is this does this feel normal or not right Oh ma'am I'm feeling so many movements is it normal when did you learn to ask yourself does it feel normal normal right and there was a question earlier that says how do we build trust that is the way that's the pathway yes. that you have now said is to have or hear that internal conversation it is screaming at you yes. <laughs> listen to me listen to me listen to me and you're not listening but so busy listening outside so that exactly. is such, such amazing advice i mean and i don't think you give it as an advice but i would take it as one is to when was the last time i actually heard myself yes and if i'm feeling terrible it's terrible what about is terrible what is it telling me and dig deeper and deeper and deeper that that is the answer to that question that we got asked a little bit earlier how do you build trust in your body is by relating to those experiences that your body is telling you showing you feeling feelings emotions sensations very sensorial world absolutely oh. the other thing is the body will also tell you when something is terribly wrong that's the thing most of the times when you're questioning and asking is this okay your body is actually saying it's okay it's your mind that's telling you ask the question get a validation right yeah. but the body is actually saying it's okay when yeah. it's not okay you will run to your care provider without asking you i'm telling yeah. you without question because i think that inborn sort of um, build it's a inborn mechanism of safety of survival that every mom and every baby have yeah unless you have completely negated everything and said i have no feelings no emotions no connection that's a whole different story but then even you that is deep. telling you something even exactly. that is telling you something correct or you're deeply drugged one of those things right but, but that I, also that is also your body saying that i'm not fe- you are not feeling me means you are disconnected so when we do trauma work and we do somatics and we mm. say how do you feel in your body and they say we feel nothing even that is information the body mm. is still trying to give you information about what you're saying about that what is. your feet or where you are at so it's still giving you but that is so true don't talk about only pregnancy when you fall sick the doctor doesn't come home the expert doesn't call you and say you know what i had dreamt about you from my expertise and i know you're sick so come into the hospital <laughs> you say oh aaj to kuch theek nahi hai i don't feel too well maybe i should check with my doctor 
Mm-hmm. Or you will say, oh, I feel like a sore throat. Maybe I'll gargle today. So you are also looking at answers exactly. intuitively. But we don't stop to think about that this is how you you start to trust your body because you're you're mindful of that conversation with your body. Um, yeah, that yeah. was... But, I mean, I have to take a pause to kind of take it in because sometimes having saying it for a very long time and having it reflected back is so, so sweet. Uh, I, I know why I enjoy my conversations with you, Vijaya. No, me really, too. It's lovely talking to you always. Yeah, yeah, that is true. Okay, so um, tell me now. Now I'm not going to ask you for advice because then, uh, you know, you are... Um, you're also saying giving it from outside saying do this do that listen to your body but uh, you know if you were to kind of sum up for women to approach birth mm-hmm. especially if they are looking for natural birth what are the mindful exercises that you might suggest just to start to get a feedback from their own bodies what would you say um i would say first of all sit with i think primarily sit with your pregnancy for some time wait until it feels a little bit real to you yes you know there is there is this checkpoints and checklists that yes go get a viability scan you know make sure that their heartbeat has developed make sure that you know whatever the tests and scans are always there but sit with it and see what does it mean to you i think part of the process also has to start and i think this i will talk as a woman uh, i think it has to start sorry start from do you even want this baby i think if we have got into the pregnancy and childbirth as um, as a as as because you want to please your parents because you want to please somebody else because you suddenly feel your clock ticking but you're really mentally not there in that space it's going to you will still come there but i think it will take you a lot longer because then you are also battling this internal battle of really am i am i really pregnant and then there is the other part who have just decided because they that okay get married you know whatever or get into a relationship and then you have to have a baby there is no other choice right now in each one of those things i feel one of the most important things they can do is say okay now that this has been done i've decided i've had this i'm pregnant now how do i want to let this pregnancy unfold for me sure you have gone and read blogs you have gone to websites you have seen youtube videos you have done that little bit of homework but then what is it that you want so starting with for example how do i visualize my birth with whom when i open my eyes in the middle of an intense discomfort pain whatever you may call it in whichever sort of background of education that you want hypnobirthing calls it rushes you know whatever whatever you may call it at the end of the day it is some sort of bodily intense feeling let's let's talk about it like that in the middle of that when you open your eyes who do you visualize around you what does what makes you feel comfortable and confident that whatever confidence you have is going to be enhanced by the people around me not be pulled down and then work on the other aspects those come later the everyone jumps into like if you say come on okay let's do yoga so then there is this whole thing saying that if i do 10 sessions of yoga with five sessions of prenatal aerobics with 10 sessions of lamas classes equals to natural but no it does not because not even in one minute you have sat down and said how do how do how does all that work 
right? Like your body leads you to drink water when you feel thirsty, you should feel an ability to quench your thirst of knowledge, bodily knowledge, by choosing whichever way that you want, whether it's a care provider, whether it's reading, listening, learning, and then feel, okay, now I have all these choices in front of me. Now I can make a good choice of where to birth, with whom to give birth, and then let the events unfold. And last but not the least, we have talked about this earlier, surrender to the process. But to come to that surrender, you have to have had all these other things circle. And this is like the hub is you, your baby. Spokes are all those things. And eventually you have a baby and it still is inside. That's the labyrinth we talk about too. You walk in, you walk out, but then you have to walk those paths in many different ways to find that final treasure outcome outcome is always going to be a healthy mom and a healthy baby but the experience of it is then going to enhance the way that you have you see yourself and your baby you're seeing it in a whole new light now as to how powerful your body is how beautiful it is and how nicely that this process worked for you and even if you've had a c-section no, doesn't mean that you've still not done all that work. You're still coming out of it powerful because you have now done the homework, found a care provider who respects you, gone into it knowing all the possibilities, and then come out of it with a C-section still being supported and still having that cocoon of support around you in the postpartum period. And I think half of our birth trauma and our postpartum depression would get lessened if we had that and not just the normal delivery as an as the only yeah. single point out of outcome yeah 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 i agree those are the wisest words it's music to my ears even if you have a c-section at the end of it you will still have the confidence of knowing i made choices which were relevant for me and good for my baby Absolutely. Because I'm saying if you've done all that work, the C-section has not just been dropped on you. It is for a very valid reason. Exactly. Very wise words. Wonderful words. I think that is probably, if, if nothing else, and we take away this understanding of, of renegotiating yourself to become the mother of this baby, that is the foundation to find trust in your body, in your baby, in your birth and yourself as a parent. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, uh, Vijaya. I know you midwives have long days and you've given us your precious time. We are just over the hour. Uh, we have some, uh, do we have questions? We've kind of addressed, but we do want to acknowledge people who've written us to us. Uh, we have Megha Rati Lada writing in and to say, uh, you know, she loves hearing you, Vijaya Madam. We have Ravali V saying that body speaks and she's talking about her own experience. As the baby turned reach in 36 weeks, I came to new I came to know something happened. And then she's saying that, do you remember uh, Vijaya ma'am? And so these are really lived experiences that are being reflected, your words. Your words are coming from that place of trust because it's a lived experience for you. I, how many women you've guided and seen the process work for. Thank you very much, Vijaya, for coming and spending time with us on CoffeeCon 2020 at My Child First. Thank you very much. I think this has been, as always, absolutely amazing. And I think you're a very good host. <laughs> you, you, you allow the conversation to unfold. And I've always had this beautiful, beautiful conversation with you, even that 
not on air, but you know, always in person as well. And I think thank you very much for inviting me. And I think that you guys are doing an amazing job putting out all this beautiful information for people to access. And I think that's what it is. I think none of us can do this job alone. If we are looking to change perceptions of society towards women, babies, bodies, birth, I think we all have to come together uh, to, you know, in each one of us in our own capacity and pay it forward, right? That's actually what we are doing. Every one of us who lives through this experience talks about things. Someone who hears pays it forward and again shares it with somebody else. Uh, people who have good experiences share it with others. And I think when we come together as a field of energy field of women and care providers and practitioners and and you know uh, women giving birth i think that that's a whole another movement and i'm hoping that we are at that inflection point in the country where actually we read all these reports right that in the last decade we have had a 300% increase in cesarean sections that's enormous have our bodies changed 300% in 10 years doesn't make any sense so we all, I think, have a collective responsibility to bring our consciousness back to us and say, my body, my baby, it is a dictatorship, not a democracy, but then do the inner work and make yeah. sure that you make your voices heard. And that's really all this is about. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes, this Coffee Con conversation is open to everybody. If you miss it live uh, and uh, if you register for it on our platform, you have access to all the conversations for 30 days. Uh, and we are hoping to keep on having these conversations. It's the conversations that make the difference. That's the difference between the consult and the conversation. I <laughs> love that sentence. I'm going to use it many times. I'm going to. So Lovely being here. And, Thank uh, you. Sir. Yeah. Uh, yes. Have a good night, and uh, we will see each other. None of us want to go. I don't want to go. I can keep talking, but we are at the hour, and um, we are going to say good night. Yes. Good night. See you soon. Bye.